Welcome in to the Titans Film Radio Podcast. Today we're going to talk about Mike Vrabel's decision to send Cairo Santos out to kick a 53-yard field goal. We're going to talk about the offensive line struggles, Taylor Lewan's return. We're going to talk about Marcus Mariota's performance. And then we'll discuss how this team can move forward, some pessimistic views, and closing out with some optimistic views. So stick around, I'm just going to flow right in. We're going to start. I am getting really tired of doing podcasts after the Titans lose and having to talk about all the reasons they lost. It's going to be a long season, but we're going to try to make this as best as we can for other Titan fans because I know you're all feeling miserable out there. I'm pretty miserable too, but let's try to look on the bright side and move to the next game. Yep, and we are on to Denver. That's that's the saying, right? We're on to Denver. Right. And that is the city of happy thoughts, or so I'm told, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, Denver's a pretty cool place. I got a, one of my best friends from high school lives in Denver. It's pretty high up there if you get my drift. Hey. <laughs> um, quick bit of news. Cairo Santos is cut. And Cody Parkey, who lost a tryout to Cairo Santos, has been added to replace him. That, so, that can't go bad, right? <laughs> here's the thing. So Cairo Santos, yes, did beat him out in their tryouts. Uh, Cody Parkey has a better field goal percentage right now than Ryan Suckup. Uh, he did miss that big kick, but after they looked at it, uh, one of the players had gotten a fingertip on it, and then it doinged off the, the, the high post. Okay, that's fine. He missed one kick, and he at least hit the bar. Cairo yes. Santos... Missed four kicks. Uh, anything beyond 50 yards, you really can't depend on him. And by God, he missed those kicks by a lot. So he, he, he also missed the Colts game kick that was crucial. So, yeah, we could potentially be four and one if we had Cody Parkey or if we had Ryan Suckup. Ryan Suckup, yeah. And the, my only worry with Cody Parkey, I mean, he's fine. They're all fine. These are serviceable kickers. The only thing about Parkey, does he have the stones to step up there when the game's on the line and make it? He's kind of proven that he might not, but whatever. I mean, we just have to hope we can survive three more games before Suckup comes back. Suckup is eligible to return after week nine, after week eight, starting week nine, assuming he's healthy. And a speaking of returning from being healthy, another bit of news, we have Jeffrey Simmons reportedly will start practicing again Next week after the Broncos game, was that is that what that means? Next week, meaning next week? Yeah. And then potentially could return to game action, or not return, I guess, start playing football at the NFL level starting as soon as week seven if he's if he's looking good enough. So that's some good news we got. We also have um, some running back additions. The Titans cut David Quisenberry, who, is, who has accounted for 17% of the team receiving touchdowns this season. And they cut Hronis Grasu to add Dalen Dawkins and Rod Smith, who is a running back they signed off the street, who apparently was picked ahead of Jeremy McNichols to join this team. So I don't know what the reasoning behind that is. I don't know if Rod Smith's going to be active on game day. I'd be surprised if he was. But definitely why'd interesting you ha- Why'd you have to say it like that? Why'd you have to say 17% of the Titans touchdowns? Why? <laughs> Receiving That's- touchdowns. Receiving touchdowns, but I mean, that was just unnecessary. That was a shot to the heart for all of us. So I don't know why you had to do that. Uh, <laughs> but I think we added Questenberry to the practice squad, didn't we? Oh, that's right. They did re-add him to the practice squad. Good. Um, but 
Grouse or Grousu, he's he's gone for good. Um, Marcus is BFF. If, if Marcus starts to have a bad game, I'm 100% for bringing Grousu back because <laughs> bring Marcus his friend back. He needs his friend. But Agreed. All right. First thing I want to talk about today is Mike Vrabel's decision to send Cairo Santos out to attempt what would have matched his career-long 53-yard field goal after being down or after missing three field goals already in that game while down seven points with under seven minutes to go near midfield with a fourth and four. What is the upside to this kick, James? Can you please explain it? Well, well, well. We're back at the point where he could have kicked it or gone for it on fourth down. Hmm. If only he had gone for it on fourth down. Uh, yes. Um, right. I mean, here's the thing. Situation, game situation, this is completely different than his decision to not kick a field goal against Atlanta. This is three games in a row where Mike Vrabel has made a coaching error that could have been catastrophic. I think the Colts game was potentially catastrophic, running off 40 seconds a clock uh, with a dumb fake jump off sides attempt thing. And then in the Falcons game, we've discussed at length whether or not they should have kicked that field goal, and that one didn't really matter. But this game, what are you doing? I mean, can we talk about the other options that you could have done? You well, could have punted the ball with the best punter in the league, right? Why not try that? I mean, you still run the chance. Like, okay, we need the points. You're punting the ball on a fourth and four in your – well, this was after the Johnny Smith 51-yard? No? Um, possibly. It? And if it was, they had penalties that set them back, which I'm pretty sure was the case for every drive in this game. But Basically, we, we were getting close enough to the red zone to where, okay, you can either take the kick or go forward on fourth down. But – it's like we need the points. We what? How many third downs did we fail before we finally got one? There were like six or seven before we got a third down conversion. I think they were over six before they converted. This was not the Johnny Smith drive, by the way. Right. Okay. So we 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 have that. the The Bills defense is one of the best defenses in the league, unfortunately. Um, so they're stopping us. We had four yards to get that fourth down. Um, granted, Cody Parkey had missed three kicks before that. Cairo Santos. Cairo Santos. I'm sorry. I'm already trying to block him out from memory. <laughs> but um, so, I mean, I, I like seeing Vrabel having trust in his guys, but yeah, that was a bad call. Um, kicking is very, uh, I don't know how else to put it, like baseball like as far as confidence, like the yips. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of once it gets into your head, it becomes a confidence thing. And that's why I was all for bringing Cody Parkey in. Uh, I think he's had enough time to kind of get over that, whereas Cairo Santos is coming fresh off of three missed field goals, four missed field goals. So, um, honestly, he could do a lot better than Cairo Santos, uh, no matter who it is. But um, At this point, you mean after the game where he's broken his confidence? Correct. But, honestly, sending him out there for the fourth field goal was the worst idea. Um, like you said, even punting would have been better, but honestly, they should have just gone forward on fourth down. Uh, I, even if this offensive line was struggling uh, with Lawan back, and we'll get into with Lawan, but it's just been, it was so frustrating to see him run him out there. It's like, okay, it's 53 yards. His range is within 50. 
anything past that, you're kind of getting shaky already. And that's just going off his stats. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, he just missed the three. So, I mean, what are you doing? Like 53 what, what? yards. That would have been his career long on a day when he has not made a kick. I mean, he made an extra point. Yeah, it's got off. You couldn't. This is a game where field position was everything. I thought the Titans actually managed to put together some decent drives in this game. Obviously, they I mean they got into field goal range multiple times. They missed four field goals. They they were not unsuccessful moving the ball against Buffalo. They were unsuccessful converting in big high pressure moments like third and fourth down. Obviously, fourth down here would have been a big high pressure moment to convert in, which is why I go back to punting. I mean, I'm all for going for it. I think going for it should have been the first choice, but there's lots of ways to go for it too. I mean, you can run a little designed rollout. You can run a little slant. You can run. A, you can give it to Henry. I mean, giving it to Henry at least gives the other team worse field position than missing the kick. Missing the kick pushes you back seven more yards because it's from where you attempt the kick, not from where you snap the ball. But, but punting the ball is a field position game. The Titans were consistently starting this game with the ball inside their own 20, inside their own 10-yard line. And because of that, the Bills were consistently starting with the ball close to midfield, 40-yard line-ish. This would have been a chance to pin them deep in their own territory, force that three and out, trust your defense who's been playing well all game, and get the ball back pretty much where you had it at the time that you would have been going for it on fourth and four. So I, I just can't understand how you come to the kick option, which is like third on the list by far, by far. But anyway, I feel like we've talked about this enough. We can move on to a new topic. Take it away. So, uh, Lawan, well, I don't know, because I still want to kind of talk about Lawan. Um, I knew he was going to have some rust coming back after that four-game suspension. Unfortunately, it happened on the first play where we got a 28-yard pass to Delaney Walker, and then we had a slew of other different kind of penalties coming through, not to mention the Twitter spat that happened after, which mm -hmm. I don't even want to get into that because it was already raising my blood pressure thinking about it. Um <laughs> I don't know. It, I think he's going He's going to take a game or two, and then he's going to eventually get back to that level. The one thing on that line that's worrying me right now is Roger Saffold. I, I talked about it in the preseason, and everybody told me, no, nah, man, it's just the preseason. Don't worry about it. And I was like, why in God's green earth would a left guard of all people just be taking it easy in the preseason when it can, it's basically free shots on the quarterback, even if it's a preseason? I don't care. I thought it was kind of going to be – an outlier or something that was going to bleed into the regular season and look what's happened. Yep. And it looks like hindsight is proving you to be your worries to be valid. Now. I don't know. I think Sant or sorry. I think, uh, Saffold talked about this after the game. He said something like it's more of a technique thing than a scheme thing or whatever, whatever. And I actually agree with that. It is mostly a technique thing, but if that's the case, then get your freaking technique, right, dude? Like, what are you doing? There's one sack that happened because Saffold and Lawan had a horrible miscommunication on a stunt. And then after that stunt, what was happening was Saffold was cheating to the outside to try and take on the stunt. And they did a little fake stunt where I can't remember who the rusher was, but he I think it was Phillips. It was probably Phillips. He jabbed outside like he was going to run that stunt and then spun back inside. It was a nasty spin move. I mean, it's a tough spin move to defeat, but if you're a, uh, the level of offensive lineman that Roger Saffold is getting paid, the amount of money that Roger Saffold is getting paid, you got to find a way to, as he's spinning by you, chip him on the shoulder, knock him off balance, and regain position and re-win that, that rep. You can't. So I think the Lawan being out for those four weeks 
has been has already proven to bleed over into week five. Who knows if it'll keep going, but there are communication issues that led to one sack early, the this, this stunt, and then another sack later because they were not prepared to pick up a stunt that they were overcompensating for it. So, yes. At the same time, Marcus Mariota held onto the ball way too long on the, the first missed field goal, I think, the one that was like going to be around 40-something yards and turned into a 50-yard field goal. On that snap, Mariota takes the ball and just stands there flat-footed in the pocket for like two whole seconds. Like, what are you doing? You have to move. Move out of the pocket or throw the ball away. No one's open. Throw it over someone's head out of bounds. When Mariota throws the ball away, he doesn't throw it away over someone's head out of bounds. He's like being taken to the ground and then just chucks it and then starts pointing at an eligible receiver that was like in the area. But like, the point of intentional grounding is literally in the name of intentional grounding intentionally throwing the ball at the ground or away, right? It's not about like, oh, there's a receiver in the area, so I'm just going to wildly chuck this towards the sideline. Like, and obviously you can get away with that in the loopholes of the rule, but Mariota, come on, dude. You Like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Throw it away before you're getting sacked so you don't have to intentionally ground the ball. And I guess they picked up the flag on that one, but I think it should have been intentional grounding, honestly. But the O-line has been bad. Nate Davis got worked multiple times in this game. Jack Conklin keeps ending up on the ground, and Conklin's been okay in the run game. He actually made some really nice blocks in the run game, but in the pass game, he's just ending up on the ground, lunging at people off balance, getting beat by speed, getting beat by bull rushes. Everyone's getting beat on the line. Like Nobody can win a one-on-one matchup, so where do you put the help? I don't know. And you know who's not helping either? Marcus. Marcus is holding the ball too long. He's not throwing it away. He's not rolling out of the pocket before it's too late. And then when he does, he's dropping his eyes and not throwing the ball. Like the first play of the game, you're in first and 25. So you're already in a horrible situation. And your first read is Adam Humphreys on a two-yard out route, which I don't know why in the hell your first read is a two-yard out route on a first and 25. So I can understand why Mariota passed on that. But then he has Tajay Sharp breaking open in the middle of the field. And he's already dropped his eyes to the pressure. He doesn't see it. Then he has Delaney Walker's little check down out, or maybe it was Henry out in the flat. He doesn't see him either. Again, it was only going to be like a two-yard pass. But throwing that two-yard pass is better than him scrambling for two yards and taking a hit or getting out of bounds and like just nothing happening on the play. So I think uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's just like a cycle of everyone is making everyone else look worse. The O-line is not helping Mariota. Mariota is not helping the receivers. The receiver route combinations are weird, like a two-yard out route on first and 25. Art Smith's calling weird plays because like that. I mean, I just, I don't know where, I don't know how you improve this mess because the Titans could be in a situation like the Bills are in, who are the Bills, are four and one. Their only loss was a very competitive game against one of the best teams in the league, the Patriots. Their quarterback is questionable by, as far as the general NFL fan base goes, pretty questionable talent-wise, but they have a great defense and they rely on that great defense to win them games and hold the other team to low scoring points, like seven points that we scored and then let their quarterback somehow get to 14 and like their quarterback has time to throw the ball and our quarterback doesn't. So there's a way to win with the roster construction. The Titans are doing or have because the bills are doing it. They just aren't winning. I don't know. And I don't know why I don't know what to do. I think, I think it comes down to the decisions the coaches are making. And uh, I think we had talked about it before where um, we were talking about how variables getting into Art's ear about wanting to run the ball and establish the run. And that could potentially be hindering the offense. Yeah, James, you you raised this point when we were chatting earlier in the week about Vrabel's introductory press conference. Do you want to tell the people what you saw in that? 
So basically, um, in that press conference, Vrabel wanted to talk about establishing, I would have to pull up the quote directly, but yeah. uh, basically the gist of it was he wanted to play hard-nosed football, he wants to run the ball, and he's not going to be doing silly things like running into eight- and nine-man boxes, huh. like, like uh, he basically a jab in malarkey, uh, or a veiled jab, if anything, hmm. but basically establishing the run. So that's our coach's mindset coming into it, along with being a defensive coach. So to me, I mean, LaFleur is still showing that run tendency in Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Jones getting four touchdowns this past week. But uh, you're also seeing it with Art Smith, who's also been around a plethora of other run-first coaches, save for maybe Wisenhunt. But I think at the time he was with Wisenhunt, he was on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't really know how much that has to do with it. But I don't know. We've always been a run-heavy team, and I'm wondering if that's starting to hinder us as far as how much what we can be as an offense. <laughs> it has been. It has been. <laughs> yeah. I think we should talk about the future of this team and where we go from here. I have some optimistic viewpoints I want to throw out there. I have some extremely pessimistic ones as well. Let's talk about all that stuff in as soon as this commercial break finishes. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And welcome back, Titans fans. Uh, we're going to be getting into kind of what we would be doing if we were controlling this team. Um, we're going to start pessimistic because we want to end on an optimistic note. So for those who tune out a little bit early, try to wait towards the end if you want to be feeling a little bit better versus just ending on a pessimistic note. Agreed. Firstly, I don't think you can fire Keith Carter right now. Do you? I think you can. Do I think Vrabel's going to do it? No. Keith Carter, uh, by the way, is the offensive line coach, in case anyone does not know that. Right. I'd rather bring back Bruce Matthews right now than have Keith Carter. <laughs> Bruce Matthews was not good at his job. <laughs> Would you say Keith Carter is? Here's the thing. I don't know if Keith Carter is the problem with the offensive line. I do know that Keith Carter, through two seasons now, is not doing anything. Let's let's pull up what Jamal tweeted because I thought that was a very very on point tweet here about how many sacks we're talking about our good friend at Jamalisms, the most negative Titans fan on Twitter, um, had tweeted out this in 2016. Marcus Mariota was sacked a total of 23 times. He has been sacked 22 times through five games in 2019. The most he was ever sacked in a season was last season. Keith Carter's offensive line. He's on pace this season for 70 sacks, which is more than any prior two consecutive years combined. Combined. So, yes, Keith Carter. I don't know if he's the problem. He's not the solution because he's not helping these guys. I mean, you got all pro Jack Conklin on the right. You got pro bowlers on the left. 
and for some reason every single one of these guys is failing to execute proper technique when they're blocking that sounds like it comes back on coaching to me the thing is the reason i don't think you can fire him yet who do you promote who do you promote to o-line coach who are you going to hire that knows the scheme already knows the verbiage knows the blocking assignments knows the protections knows the adjustments that can come in here and coach these guys i mean is there someone on staff you're just going to promote that would be better than keith carter I don't know. Is there someone off the street you're just going to randomly hire? Maybe they need to bring in a consultant or somebody to like help the O-line get their technique right. But I don't know that you can just fire Keith Carter and move forward with no O-line coach. That doesn't sound like a good move either. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's not forget we fired Ken Wisenhut midseason because he couldn't protect Mariota. And we're definitely not firing Vrabel, so someone's head's got to roll. Cairo Santos, it's his fault that, that Mariota got set. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yep. No, it was Mariota missing all those kicks is what it was. Yeah, exactly. I will say, uh, Mariota didn't play a bad game on Sunday, but I also don't think he played a good game on Sunday. He completed 13 passes, guys. That's not a lot. And granted, he didn't get to attempt all that many passes, And but Henry ran pretty well at 70 yards and a touchdown running, and... Uh, you know, I, I thought the pass that he threw up to Corey Davis that was broken up near the end zone was a nice throw. A.J. Brown had a nice play. The first play of the game to Delaney Walker that call, got called back was a nice play. But there was too many plays where he just isn't throwing the ball. And I, I just, it's not that he is making the offense bad, but he's not making it better either. And is a rookie quarterback going to come in and make it better? I don't know. But is the rookie quarterback going to come in and be worse than one of the lowest scoring teams? The Titans have scored seven points in two of their last three games. That's not enough points. The defense hasn't allowed 20 points to a team this year. The offense hasn't turned the ball over yet this whole season. And yet, here we are, two and three. How is that even freaking possible? With a great defense, and you haven't turned the ball over on offense, and you're two and three? That's horrible. Bad, bad decision, missed kicks. Yeah, I do think the Titans are like that close to being a four and one team right now. You know, I mean, they could be there. They just haven't executed in the biggest moments. They've shot themselves in the foot too many times. The offensive line continues to commit so many freaking costly penalties that I just like, it's so frustrating watching a Titans game because it feels like every good play that happens gets negated by a penalty. And so I don't know what the solution is. I think they need to move to a shotgun based offense that get that has like one or two designed reads and gets the ball out of Mariota's hands quickly. And they need to drill it in his head that if you can't get rid of the ball quickly, then throw it away because there's just, there's nothing that nothing good happens when Mariota holds onto the ball. He usually just gets sacked or throws it away. I mean, he's not a Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott. I mean, I could go on and on and on with quarterbacks who can run outside the pocket and make a nice play outside of structure. Mariota's never going to be that guy. He's never going to be the guy that I can't remember a time when Mariota started like retreating in the pocket and like spun right and spun left and actually managed to get out of pressure. I mean, there was that one play against the Jags last year that where Johnny Smith dropped a pass, but even that was kind of just like a slightly run to the left and then switch back, slightly run to the right and switch back to the left. Like the Russell Wilson thing, the Tony Romo thing where you're like dancing around in the pocket for 30 seconds before you finally throw the ball. Has he ever done that in his whole career? I don't think so. And I think that that's the kind of quarterback it's going to take to transcend this run first, like dedicate, like the, the coaching mantra from the top down is like control the clock, establish the run, 
and win a close game with good defense. But that's not a sustainable model for winning. And until we either get a quarterback in here who can overcome a poor scheme or a new scheme, I just don't know what's going to change. So on Twitter, I had posted the very loaded question of Mariota, if he need like as a quarterback, and, and just sit down and I, I want you to think about all the good quarterbacks that are in the league right now, save for Brady because of that insane system that Bilicek has like set up for him. Uh, I'm not saying that Brady is a system quarterback. He's obviously a very good quarterback, but uh, quarterbacks have sustained success in a Belichick system. Anyway, um, if Mariota needs everything around him to go right, a good offensive line, a good run game, a good defense, is he really worth $100 million? Because when you look at a quarterback like Andrew Luck, who necessarily didn't have good receivers or he didn't have a good offensive line, he still somehow transcended that, especially with Pagano and Grigson and how they did nothing to protect him, basically gave him nothing to work with, and he still somehow made it work. Like, when you look at that, and then and that's kind of an unfair comparison, but is Mariota really worth $100 million if he needs everything else around him to go right? I think that the answer to that question is very complicated because Jared Goff, to me, is not more talented than Marcus Mariota. But he got the $30-plus million extension. He's got a great coach. He's got a great offensive system. I mean, the Rams aren't that haven't been that great this year either. You know, there's a lot of question marks around the Rams right now. But Jared Goff got his extension, and I wouldn't say that he's a kind of guy that can make things happen when everything around him is going wrong. Like, and I don't know that Mariota needs a good defense, by the way, to be good. And I don't know that he needs a good running game to be good. He just needs a good O-line. I think you could say that about 20 quarterbacks in the league. They'd be great if they had a good O-line. So in that regard, I, I think Mariota maybe would be worth it. Now, for this specific team that wants to run this bullshit offense, no. They need a, a Russell Wilson type of guy. The problem is there, there aren't any of those guys. Like, How many guys in the league could come onto this team in this situation and actually be a successful quarterback? I would say maybe... I don't think Brady is one of them, by the way, because Brady is no. not good against interior pressure, and the Titans give up interior pressure on one out of every, what, two pass plays they try? So He's all about timing, even... too. I mean, if the offensive yeah. line is going to be disrupted the entire time, there's no timing he can... Because Mariota also, also excels at timing routes. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you put Mariota in the Belichick system, I think you would see him flourish because everybody's where they need to be. Right. And he's going to get the ball off. Um, I'm also not convinced that everyone is always where they need to be in these Titans passing routes. Like, I don't know if the routes are just dumb or if the guys aren't running it right. And I could easily see a scenario where Art Smith, as much as I love him as a man and who he is, like, I don't know if he's the guy that knows how to coach these receivers and these players to be like, does he know how to lead all of his, all of his offensive mentors we're bad, we're bad, right? I mean, right. does he know how to coach this system? Does he know how to make these corrections? I'm getting very skeptical. Do you want to get into my optimistic stuff? Yeah, let's do that. I'm tired of this. Here is my only tiny shred of optimism that I'm holding on to because the NFL is a very much week-to-week -week league. And against the Falcons, the Titans look like a totally different team. Now, I will say the Titans have had the ball control type of offense, established the run guy, 
in their in the recent past, they were two and three in the recent past. The offense looked terrible. They were coming off an embarrassingly bad week five loss. I'm of course talking about the 2017 season when they somehow turned it around, put it together, and ended up making the playoffs. Right now, I don't know if that's possible. Looking around, I think that either the Colts or the Texans are going to be the clear winners of the one of the one of those two teams is clearly going to win the division right now, based on what we're seeing right now. It's going to take a catastrophic injury to one of those two teams for them to not be competing for the division by week 17. And the other one is getting a wild card. And the Bills are now 4-1 and one with a win over the Titans. I don't know if the Titans have a playoff shot. I mean, obviously the Patriots are winning that division, right? So the Bills are the second wild card team. Can the Titans make the playoffs? They're going to have to be better than the Bills or... Whoever doesn't win out of Colts and Texans. I know this is not the optimistic stuff, right? But yeah. um, And so, not only that, the Titans have the 27th easiest schedule going forward, which is the sixth hardest for the rest of the season. So things are looking pretty freaking bleak right now, right? <laughs> that was my optimistic view. They did it in 2017. Maybe they'll do it this year. That's it. That's all I'm, that's all I'm clinging to. We can turn this around. I'm not saying that we can't. Uh, we're still only one game out of the division. Granted, we're 0-2 in the division right now. But we have Denver coming up. Denver's a really important game for us. I think it's something that we it's a game we definitely need to win. It's gonna put us at three and three. It's gonna keep us in the mix, as Stu Gatz would say. And it's gonna be just it's gonna be all right. We uh, hopefully uh, Jeffrey Simmons is gonna have I, I don't want a lot of fans to put a lot of hope in him because Jeffrey Simmons is gonna be very good for this football team, but I think it's unfair to have first round expectations right when he comes back off an ACL. Um, he's going to, he's going to have some rust. Look what happened with Jack Conklin. He's not going to, he might not have the impact you think he's going to have. So don't expect him to come in week seven against the chargers and immediately look like Aaron Donald. So just temper that expectation, but him coming back is going to help this defense regardless. And I think that's as as those weeks go on and he starts to get more comfortable, maybe he does elevate this defense even more and puts us in the top rank and maybe starts winning us some games, um, getting us better field position by pushing the team back or just different mm-hmm. things that can cascade and, and help us win more games. Agreed. Okay, my last bit of positive hope is this. I don't think Mike Vrabel is a bad coach. I think that his in-game decision-making is troubling at best and highly alarming at, at worst, but Andy Reid, terrible clock management guy, right? Andy Reid has been able to be a successful coach. Bill Belichick put Rob Gronkowski on the field to defend the Miami Miracle player, or whatever, and got burned by that, right? Coaches don't always make the right call. It's important for a coach to be able to self-evaluate and realize when they are not doing things correctly, and I think Mike Grable is the type of guy as much as he talks about accountability, who will hold himself accountable for these bad decisions and hopefully either improve or find a way to improve, which would be like having an advisor or consultant or somebody that actually is not just making decisions on a whim, whether or not they should go for it on fourth down or cricket, but like actually look at the analytics because Mike, or no, Rob Greenlaw posted this tweet about the edge sports statistics about how like the Titans odds, if they miss the field goal of winning, were worse than if they missed a fourth down conversion, but their odds of winning were still worse if they made the field goal than they were if they made the fourth down conversion. So either way, it's the wrong decision. (laughs) Like they need to know the analytics of these decisions before they are making them. 
So anyway, hopefully they can hire a guy. I don't really care about Vrabel being completely tone deaf in press conferences. Obviously, it's frustrating to watch his press conferences where he just like says the same thing over and over again. But that's just who he is. And whether or not he knew that Cairo Santos was going to be cut later in the day, or maybe that was a John Robinson thing that... But like either way, like he sat there on the podium and talked about how they were going to help Cairo Santos. And later that day, he got cut. So you just have to take everything he says at a press conference with a grain of salt and just realize it's all coach speak and doesn't really matter. So anyway, my positive thing is hopefully Vrabel is able to self-scout well enough to improve himself and to improve this team. And like they know that things are bad. The offensive line isn't like sitting in the locker room going high five and going, yeah, we almost had him. No, the offensive line is probably taking this harder than anyone in that locker room because they ultimately were the worst part of the team on Sunday, worse than Mariota, worse than Cairo Santos missing four field goals. I mean, and it's not just the sacks, it's the penalties. It's Nate Davis getting blown up into Derrick Henry that lost three yards on a run play early in the game. Like just over and over again, they're just like bad, 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 bad. So I think these guys, they are professionals. They're competitive. They want to win. There's good leadership in the locker rooms, cohesive. They're not like the Jags last year who fell apart three weeks into the season. So, again, it's a tough season. They got a lot of tough games ahead. If the offense starts turning the ball over, they're going to be in really, really, really deep shit. But for now, I'm going to hold out this hope. And, uh, you know, it's a long year. They're two and five, right? They're two and three right now. The Colts and Texans were each one and four or two and three and one and four or something like that last year. Like, it's a long season. Just got to hope they turn it around. We will. Just have faith. Even though that's getting harder and harder to say. (laughs) It wouldn't be so frustrating if they were losing these games 45 to 35. It's the fact that it's 14 to 7 and the offense looks like trash. That's what's so frustrating. I've said it uh, before and after. My mantra with this team is you're going to win ugly and you're going to lose ugly. There's no in between. It sucks. But anyway, see you next week. Yep. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed at, wait, not at, search Music City Miracles anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow James on Twitter at South Texas Titan. Do it right now. Click click follow button right now. And I'm at Titans Film Room. And we'll be back soon. Um, I'm going to Louisville tomorrow morning. So I'm going to be there. I might be able to record on Thursday evening possibly Friday evening, possibly Saturday. So we'll find a time to record again before Sunday's game against the Bill, against the Broncos. And if we don't, then we don't. That's it. We love you. Please. <laughs> Please win. <laughs>